Ecclesiastes 13. I have always seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and despised, and his words are not heard. The words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of rulers among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one, sinner's, one sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. Thanks, Lisa. We are in Ecclesiastes 10. She read the right one. We had the wrong one on the screen. Apologize about that. So if you go to your Bibles uh, to Ecclesiastes 10, it's page 558, if you're using one of the Bibles uh, provided in the seats for you there. So we got another long section uh, to, uh, to cover today, and so looking forward to that. But before we begin, let's pray, and uh, then we'll look at this text. Father, we want to pause, and whenever we open your word, and particularly when we comment on it, we want to uh, pause and ask for your guidance. Um, this is your word. This is not about us uh, crafting messages that uh, we think are best. Uh, we want to... We want to just simply teach your word right now. Uh, we want to make application to that. And so I pray that uh, as people are listening, that they would be making those specific applications to their own lives. And I pray that you would enable me to help uh, coach and guide along the way. God, uh, we want to be accurate with the scriptures. Uh, we don't want to twist or read into the text. And in this passage, there's a couple of verses that uh, really there's a couple of different ways to, to understand it, and there's no real consensus on that. So I pray that we would, uh, that we would uh, just uh, be led by your Spirit and how to apply this wonderful book uh, to, to our lives. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Have you ever read warning labels? Love warning labels. So... Door flame, you guys know these things, right? You know, you need to start a fire, and so you put it in there. Warning label, caution, risk of fire. It's kind of the point, right? All right. Or uh, this Batman costume. Warning, cape does not enable user to fly. It's good. Okay, good to know. All right. Uh, bottle of hair coloring, now... To be fair, I do not know if this was on L'Oreal Paris or not. This is just an image of hair coloring I pulled from the internet. So this warning label may or may not be on this one. Don't want to get sued here, okay? All right. Warning label on a bottle of hair coloring. Do not use as an ice cream topping. Just in case that was a temptation, you're in the bathroom, getting ready to get rid of the gray hairs, and you're like... You know, 
this ice cream, this is a much better choice here. I don't know. Okay, you know these uh, cardboard uh, sun visors uh, for your cars, you know, the sun shield, everything. Uh, warning, do not drive with sun shield in place. That's good advice. <laughs> okay, and then last one here I'll share. Portable stroller here. Caution, remove infant before folding for storage. <laughs> um, yeah. So why do we need these warnings? Okay, well, I mean, the answer is the reality is that most of us don't need those warnings, right? But... There are some that lurk among us <laughs> that need them, <laughs> right? That made a decision at some point, filed a lawsuit, and then now they have to have these warning labels on these things, right? We're back in Ecclesiastes here, and in the end, we're, we're coming to the end of this, and he's talking about wisdom, but in, in particularly in chapter 10, he's going to talk about foolishness. And he's finishing up this book with words of wisdom. He's using commands. He's using illustrations. He's using Proverbs. And we're going to see all these things in this text today to do that. But the main topic here, as I said, is he's talking about fools and their foolishness. Foolishness. So here's what I'd like us to walk away from today if we can ponder this a little bit together. Foolishness is more powerful and prevalent than we care to admit. Okay? That's the thesis. Foolishness is more powerful and prevalent, more prevalent than we care to admit. Okay? So that's where we're going today. Let's, let's talk about power first of all. Foolishness wields great power. We see in chapter 10, we see at the end of chapter 9 and verse 18, he says, Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. And then he goes right into this proverb here in chapter 10, uh, which, as you know, that these chapter divisions came later on. And so this is a really unnatural break here in the book here. When, when Kohelth was writing this, he, he was writing this, in, and he meant chapter what we know as chapter 10, verse 1, to be included with the previous section here. Dead flies make the prefer. Uh, uh, perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So little folly outweighs wisdom and honor here. And so he's talking about here how that there's a little bit of foolishness goes a long way. He's given the illustration of a, of a small king, the ending story in chapter 9 here, of how that even though he does great wisdom and he saves a city from uh, attack and, and he sees it and, and these people are, are saved from this, even just uh, that great wisdom, there's a little bit of foolishness that undoes that, that undoes that. And then in chapter 10, as I just mentioned here, there's this idea, this illustration, this proverb of this, this, this ointment, this perfumer who is, who is making this, this, this wonderful smelling perfume here. And then it, because it was not in a controlled environment, he, he just brings up an animal, like a tiny animal. And, and again, this is a proverb here. It's not to be taken literally, but it's a proverb where he just says, you know, here's, here's like a, a fly that would go and die in this and then gives off the stench and it's ruined here. A big vat of perfume that has been made and spent a long time making and carefully putting the ingredients together so it smells really well. And then just a little fly comes and ruins it all. You know, a little bit of foolishness goes a long, 
long way. In chapter 10, verses 16, we look down there, because uh, we're going to look at this in chunks today here because of the way it's structured as, as, a, as Proverbs here. Verse 16 of chapter 10, "'Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child, and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, conversely, O land, when your king is the son of nobility, and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness.'" What is he saying there? He's saying here that, you know, when, when a child is put into a position of authority, that child is going to, if they don't have the right advisors, that child is going to make decisions. We read about Charles VII uh, who would ride horses through the palace. And, and we, we, you know, the history is full of examples of, of, of young kings or queens or people of nobility who made decisions in a rash way and in their immaturity. And it affects the entire land. It affects everybody. And this is what Kohelis is saying here. He's saying here that, that, you know, just a little bit of foolishness can really make things bad for the entire land here. So just like adding a, a few drops of arsenic to a gallon of Kool-Aid makes it undrinkable and poisonous and deadly, so what Kohelis is saying here is he's saying, listen, foolishness, Goes a lo- just a little bit, goes a long, long way. So the question we've got to ask ourselves here is, okay, in our community that we find ourselves in, whether that community is in our neighborhood, or whether the community is in our church, or in our family, or in our workplace, our school, wherever it is, the question I want you to ponder here is, if foolishness wields great power, is are you contributing wisdom or foolishness to that community? Think about that. I mean, we have the opportunity. Some people think, well, I'm just one member. I'm just, you don't understand the level I am in my employment. I mean, you know, there's so many employees in this company, and I am so low here that it's not, I, I have no uh, uh, influence in this company. Well, wait a minute here. What's, what's, what, what, what's something we can take away from this chapter 10, verse 1 here is that it doesn't matter. You can have and you do have influence in your place of work. What about in your family? What about in the church? What about in your neighborhood? You see, the question is, is that it's not whether or not you're having influence. The question is, what type of influence are you having here? And then as Kohelis is bringing this, again, I told you last week we're rounding third base and we're heading for home, and in the next two weeks we're going to cross home plate and finish the, the, uh, the sermon series here. But as we're doing that, what he's doing is he's bringing us to the point to consider wisdom and to consider what it truly means to be wise. And as he's doing that, he says, you need to understand that foolishness and foolish decisions and foolish thinking has great effect on many things and many people around you. It's not just you. And so I believe one of the things we need to take away from this is that we cannot afford to underestimate the effect that our foolishness has on others. And so the decisions you make as a parent, the decision you make as a student, the decision you make as, as a son or a daughter, the decisions you make as an employee, the decision you make as a church member, the decision you make as the person in your community, whatever it is, it does have effect. Foolishness wields great power. We've all experienced and seen leaders make bad decisions and it affects us. 
But when in the country we live in, when leaders make certain decisions, then it affects the economy, right? And right now, many of us are, are dealing with the effects of the economy. And, you know, people will say, you know, well, gas prices, it was because of, you know, the rush of war and all this. I, I don't know all the reasons for it. I mean, I can get into all that. There's a lot of theories out there. Uh, honestly, none of them totally make sense to me, but who am I, okay? But the point is, is that some people make decisions and it affects us. Okay? And it's easy to get frustrated with those people. But just remember that you're making decisions every day too. And I'm making decisions every day too. And foolishness wields great power, more so than we care to admit. And we cannot afford to underestimate the effects that our foolish thinking or actions may have on other people here. So, number one, foolishness wields great power. We have three points today. We're already through the first one. You're like, oh boy, we're going to get out early. Well, let's wait and see. All right, okay. Number two, foolishness prevails in this life under the sun. I could have put a joke in there about foolish thinking there. I could have. If I had been smarter and faster, I would have done that. All right, okay. Foolishness prevails in this life under the sun. Okay, the thing you need to know about foolishness is that it's an equal opportunity employer, okay? That's the thing you need to understand about it here. Look at chapter, five verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 5. There's an evil that I've seen under the sun, as it were, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many places, and the rich sit in the low place. I've seen slaves and horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves, you see, what, what he's saying here is he's saying that, listen, I, 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 I've perceived this under the sun, and this life under the sun here is that, that it, it, you know, with the people who should be the wise and smart and in high places, often they're fools, and the people who you would think that they're not very wise, and then, but they're the ones that, that are wise. And so he says, this is an upside-down world here, right? And so, but the point that we're driving from this is that you know, foolishness is one of the, it, 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 it doesn't discriminate at all. Okay, so no one is immune to foolish thinking. It doesn't matter the, the, the degrees you have. It doesn't matter the, the uh, economics you have. It doesn't matter the skill set you have. It doesn't matter the personality you have. It doesn't matter your background at all. No one is, is naturally immune to foolish thinking. In fact, we're actually predisposed to it. Some of the smartest people in the world have done some of the dumbest things, Right? I mean, your history's full of this, right? Okay, so, so, so think of Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison, you know, reasonably intelligent guy, okay? All right, you know, if you know anything about Thomas Edison, you know, he was an inventor, and he was someone who, who was, was a smart dude, right? You remember, though, that there was a time in history, in American history, where there was this battle going on about electricity, okay? And again, I, I, I don't understand it all. All I know is that if I'm in water, don't put my finger in the socket. That's the one thing I know, okay, about electricity, okay? All right, but apparently from reading history, there's, uh, there was the uh, alternating current versus direct current, okay? AC versus DC, not the band, okay, all right, okay. So it was AC versus DC, okay, all right. And so that it was this idea of, you know, which one was going to prevail, okay. Uh, uh, Edison was a big uh, fan of the direct current. Uh, Tesla was a big fan of the alternating current. And so there was this battle over which one that they were going to accept uh, in, in cities and towns and things like this. 
Edison had a lot of patents riding on DC current. And so he wanted to make sure that DC current was what was adopted as the standard. And so what does he do? He does what every reasonable person would do when trying to make his case. He chooses to electrocute animals, okay? All right? I'm not making this up. He puts on public display to show how dangerous AC current is, and he's electrocuting animals in public, capping it off with an elephant from a zoo just to show, oh, this is so dangerous. Well, it was all for naught. We ended up going with the AC current anyway, and it was exaggerated. Here we have a, a smart guy, a, an intelligent guy that's doing really, really dumb things. Why? This is what Kohalath is saying. He's saying, listen, I mean, it's all over the place. Foolishness is in high place. Foolishness is, is everywhere. Who here has done something foolish in their life, right? Okay? Every hand should be up before the hand-raising church. Okay? All right. Okay. Got that Baptist tendon, you know. Okay. All right. Hands don't go above the shoulder. Okay. So, uh, but the point is, is that we've all done foolish things, right? I was, I, I was thinking to myself, should I share some personal stories about some foolish things that I've done here? And I thought the church would never want to hear any of the foolish things that I've done. Okay? They would never want that. And plus, my kids are usually in the room, okay? Um, but I will share this, is that there, there, I remember, you know, uh, my brother and I, I have to include my brother in this because, you know, it can't be just me being the fool in the story here. So my, my older brother and I, we wanted to, uh, to, to help my parents out by, it snowed, you know, Michigan, a lot of snow and everything. And so we were, we were clearing off the snow from their vehicles, okay? Well, what do you use to clear snow? A snow shovel, okay? So I'm going to my mom's Jeep with a snow shovel, like ready to scrape this thing off the hood and everything. You know, my dad, yeah, I didn't understand it. I had no idea why he was upset. And he said, what are you doing? You know, I was like, father, your second born is helping you. He says, you're ruining the car. I said, father, your firstborn had the idea, <laughs> okay? All right, I didn't really say that and everything, but the point is, is that, is that we were trying to do something and we thought it was good and we were going about it all the wrong way. Fast forward to college. Oh boy, if you tell about a male in college and we're talking stories of foolishness here, you know it's gonna be good. My friend, we were driving home from college and I was driving his car and happened to be a Mustang, okay? And he said, you know, I've never really had this car above 75 miles an hour. Foolishly, I said, do you want to go above 75 miles an hour? He said, yes. It was a transaction that was made, okay? I'm not gonna say how fast I was going. It was incredibly stupid. I remember going down the highway and coming up on a car, and it was like, just going past him. I look back on that moment, and I think I could have killed so many people. And I wasn't really trying to show off or anything. It was just we're having fun in our immaturity that was incredibly foolish. I wish I could go back and not do that again. I praise God for his mercy to me in that moment. Because that was mercy, mercy. 
and my foolishness. So who here hasn't done foolish things, right? We all have done foolish things. Foolishness is an equal opportunity employer. Foolishness is something that it, it doesn't take, a, 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 um, uh, it doesn't discriminate. It doesn't, uh, there, there, there's not a whole lot of qualifications that are needed. Uh, forgive me, let me tell you one more story here why I thought of this, okay? So some of you know that every year I, I, I help out with Bratfest, okay? This started several years ago. Uh, Bratfest, they sent me an email and they said, uh, we would like you to be a celebrity cashier. I'll just let that sit there for a second. <laughs> so I wrote back, you have the wrong person, you know, they wrote back, oh, no, 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 no. We want all the community leaders, pastors, and, you know, CEOs and things like that to be involved in this and, and to lead in this. And so we want you to do this. We know you're a pastor of a church. Would you? And I thought to myself, I could be a celebrity. Okay. All right. So I did it. All right. So I go over there and I sign up. And, and, and you know, I, I knew that I wasn't really a celebrity or anything like this. But, you know, I mean, it's just kind of fun to have the title for, you know, 15 minutes or so. And, uh, you know, I show up and then I realize there are so many people there that are listed as celebrities. You know, the only thing, I said this, when I said this to the work, I said the only thing that this place gives out more than brats is the term celebrity, okay? All right? You see, here's the point, though. The point is this, is that the qualification for being a celebrity at Bratfest was, do you have a pulse? Even that's negotiable, okay? You know, so that's it. It, it, it. There's not a whole lot of qualifications. They're not fussy about who's called a celebrity. Let me tell you, foolishness is the same way. It's not fussy about who it claims. And unfortunately, foolishness claims all of us at one time or another. So here's the point. It's a deadly mistake to think that we are above foolish thoughts or actions. It's a deadly mistake to think we're above it. Here's what Kohelet is saying. There's an evil I've seen under the sun. It, it's from everywhere, every place that there's folly set in many high places and, and all over the place here. And so this is why we submit to authority. This was part of last week's sermon. It's because we need to recognize that there is foolishness in our hearts. Proverbs talks about how the foolishness is being driven out of the heart of a young man. But let me tell you, is that we all battle with this over and over again in our lives. Now, of course, we get better at it, and of course, we get better at hiding it, and we mature, and things like that. We make better decisions. I don't drive the car. I've never driven the car that way again that I drove in that one day when I was in college, right? I don't go out and scrape the car uh, with snow, the snow off the car with, with a snow shovel anymore, with a metal snow shovel, by the way. Uh, I, I don't do that anymore because I've grown. But there's still foolishness that, gra that grabs at my heart, right? My heart is inclined towards that. This is why we submit to the authority that God has given to us. This is why we constantly go back to the scriptures and we evaluate our lives. This is why the Bible, they are the, the spectacles through which we look and evaluate all of life and all of our actions and all of our thinking is because we need to recognize, listen, we are people that are inclined towards foolish thinking. This is why the Bible is so important. This is why te te the teaching of God's word is so important. And so we don't go down the wrong path and we make these wrong decisions and these foolish actions anymore. So this morning, so far we've seen that foolishness, it wields great power. And we cannot afford to underestimate the effect of foolishness on others. And now we've seen that foolishness, it prevails in life under the sun. And it's a deadly mistake to think that we're above foolish thoughts or actions. 
Thirdly, here's what Coel does for us. Foolishness observed in the wild, like a jungle safari guide who points out animals that normal people wouldn't be able to see. Koheleth here points out the fools and what they do during this text, this chapter in the beginning of the next chapter, so we can easily spot them. Let me just show you, share with you three quickly here. So first of all, he talks about how a fool is betrayed by his words and his work. Look at verse 3 of chapter 10. It says, when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. Okay, now there's two ways to take that. Number one is that you can take it that he says that by his words, he's declaring to everyone and by how he speaks that he, he himself is a fool by the way he talks that people can recognize, okay, he is just proclaiming his ignorance at this point. That's one way to take it. The Another way to take this verse, and both are legitimate, is that what Koheleth is saying here is that, what no, what he's saying is that everyone he comes in contact with, the fool says, you're a fool. You're a fool. And so when someone tries to help him or give him advice, he says, that's foolish. You're a fool. Okay, he's not listening. Either one, we get to the same point, is that by the words that someone uses or, or how they treat other people, we often see foolish thinking and foolish actions that come out. We'll look at verses 12 through, uh, 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 verse 12 of chapter 10. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be and who can tell him what will be after him. In verse 20, even in your thought, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. For a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature will tell the matter. What is he saying there? He's saying, listen, you know, your words will find you out. You start complaining about people and you start talking bad about people, it eventually gets back to them. And it's just foolish. And so this is what he's talking about here. He's talking about that whenever the Bible talks about, the, the, about a fool, the words in the tongue come up a lot. The Bible talks about our use of the tongue a lot. You know, there's that, that phrase that some people say Abraham Lincoln said it. Others, there's a whole lot of people it's attributed to. We don't really know. But better remain quiet and people think you're a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Um, there's that phrase. We don't know who actually said it, but I think it actually came from the book of Proverbs in chapter 17, verse 28. So a fool is betrayed by how they speak and what they talk about, what they laugh at, what they find funny, what they don't find funny. You see, a fool is someone who, you know, what is it that they, they, they can talk about? Can they talk about serious matters? Now, you know me. I like to tease. I like to joke. There's nothing wrong with laughing, and, and, and that's, that's great. But you have to be able to talk about serious matters as well. A fool can. Have you ever tried to talk to someone or have a serious conversation with someone, and it's like they just can't have it? That's foolishness. That's driving their soul and driving their heart and is gripping them. Not only their words, but also their, their works. Look at verse 15. The toil of a fool wearies him. For he does not know the way to the city. This is the idea of he's afraid to work hard. The toil of a fool wearies him, meaning that, that he, just, he doesn't even want to work. And even just the thought of working, it just brings him to uh, uh, it being a state of exhaustion so he doesn't work. But then he's not willing to even do the basics 
of what is necessary to succeed. That's what he means by when he says he does not know the way to the city. There, If someone needs a job in this culture, if they needed work, where would they go? They would have to head to the city because that's where the jobs were. That's where the work was. And so what Koheleth is saying here is he's saying this person is so foolish that he needs work and he needs to, to work to sustain, but he doesn't even know how to get to the city where the work is. He doesn't even know where to go. He's foolish because laziness has gripped his life. Laziness, verse 18, it turns a small problem into a very large problem quickly. He talks about this backwards in verse 18, though through sloth, this is verse 18, through sloth the roof sinks in and through indolence the house leaks. And so he's saying, listen, you know, it's, it, it's, it's the laziness that causes uh, great home repairs and then it was even laziness that could have caught it earlier when it was leaking. I mean, listen, I mean, who here has not had that happen to him? Well, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a problem, but, you know, you just, we're not going to deal with it for right now. A little noise in the car. It's like, well, just turn the radio up, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, and just kind of ignore it a little bit. The light's coming on, you know. It's like, okay, and you kind of ignore it. Like it's brighter and flashes, you know, all sorts of stuff. Whatever it does, you know, you ignore it. Pretty soon you've got to replace the whole car, right? If you don't take care of those things, it gets to a bigger problem real quickly. You see, this is, this is what Kohalath is saying here. Is here's how you spot a fool. And here's how you say that you, you move your own life away from foolishness, is that you take care of problems quickly. You don't, let them, you don't let them fester and build and get into bigger things. And you're not afraid of hard work. And, and you go and look and see, okay, and you're, you show the initiative to do what needs to be done. You don't just wait for someone else to solve the problem for you. So, a fool's betrayed by his word and his work. But secondly, there's another way that uh, our, our safari guide points out uh, foolishness in the wild, and that is that fools abuse God's good gifts. This is one of those verses again in chapter 10, verse 19, that uh, there's a wide range of how to interpret this, this, uh, this verse here. Um, you know, uh, some people say, I'll read it, bread is made for laughter and wine glides the heart and money answers everything. Some people say that this is just him talking about um, that bread is good and wine is good and money does solve problems. And, and, and that's true. Money does solve problems. Um, and so it's just saying it's a legitimate piece of, of words there. But I think, you know, contextually, if you look at what he's talking about with the fool and the laziness and things like this, I actually think what he's talking about here, uh, my interpretation of it is, is that, is that the fool misuses God's good gifts. Remember, there's been so many times where God has talked about, or excuse me, Kohelth has talked about uh, food and drink as God's good gifts here. And then if we compare this to two verses ahead in verse 17, I think it makes the most sense. In verse 17, it says, Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility, and your, feast, uh, your princes feast at the proper time. That's in comparison to verse 16, when it was the child king, who they would just you know, have a big feast in the morning, and every time was, was a party, and, and, and they would waste the resources, and just always be... Uh, 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 partying and stuff. He says, no, a wise king says, there's a time for feasting, there's a time for party, but it's just not every day. And so when we compare what verse 19 is saying, I think what he's saying here is that the fool says, that, listen, bread, it, we just have it anytime, it's for laughter, wine's gladdening the heart, of course, and money solves everything. And so if we get into a problem where we don't have enough food or we don't have enough wine, money's going to be the answer. We can buy more. We can always get more. Money is going to solve the problem. I think that's what he's saying here. 
And, 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 and this, is, this is really an abuse of God's good gifts because while money does help solve problems, right? I mean, we can't live life without money of some sort, okay? We just have to have money. This is the way it goes. It's not the answer to everything, though. And a fool thinks it is. A fool thinks money will solve all of life's challenges and difficulties. Not, don't even consider changing character, changing mindset, changing viewpoints. It's all about, I need more. I need more money. That's the mark of a fool. If only I had what? Life would be better. Because, again, we can substitute something else for money here, okay? It doesn't have to be just money. If only I had, then I would be able to make better decisions. If only I had whatever it is, money, relationship, a different job. What is it? You fill in the blank there. If only I had this, then everything would be solved. You see, the fool is saying that money solves everything. Possessions, status, whatever, it solves everything. Really what we're saying, though, when we say that is the fool is saying, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. If I, if I had a better situation in life, everything would be better. See, fools abuse God's good gifts and understand that God gives certain people riches and some people he doesn't give them to. Doesn't mean that we don't work hard. Doesn't mean that he doesn't reward hard work. But the point is, is that the Bible's very clear that God's in control of all that. And yeah, we should be industrious. Yes, we should save. Yes, we should be wise and all that. And we're going to talk about some of that here in just a second. But the point is, is that in the end, though, we don't demand other things from God in order for us to make a wise decision. We, we don't demand that God change our circumstance or gives us more in order for us to make good decisions. Second Peter chapter 1 says that God has given everything that is necessary for life and godliness. A fool says, I would be much better. Things would be easier if I just had more money or whatever possession you want to put in there. Okay, so our safari guide, he's pointing out the fools in the wild. He's saying, oh, look, over here, there's one. There's his words and his works. You see him over here. Okay, here's someone that is abusing God's good, God's good gifts. Let me give you one more before I bring this to a close. Is that fools that are uncertain, and uncertainty paralyzes fools. Uncertainty paralyzes fools. Okay, so now we're in chapter 11 here. We're going to just do the first six verses. Next week, Wayne's going to pick up in verse 7 and continue on for the first part of chapter 12. But in chapter 11, we see this. We see this other proverb here. This kind of just seems to our ears a little unusual here. Cast your bread upon the waters, and you will find it after many days. Seems kind of weird. Like, what is that talking about? We just, you know, we're feeding ducks all of a sudden? What's going on here? You know, why are you talking about throwing bread and water? And, 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 and I don't know about you, but my experience with bread and water, it's not there, you know, many days later on. What is he talking about here? Let's read on. Give a portion to seven or eight uh, or even eight, for you do not know what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. I I mean, this is like one of those like warning labels, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, a tree falls, there it's going to be. Thank you, that's helpful, all right, okay, what is he talking about here, all right? He observes the wind, or he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. 
In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. What is he talking about? When he talks about this idea of cast your bread upon the waters, he's really referring to like grain ships being sent out. Solomon, if he was the one who wrote this, he would, uh, uh, every few years, he would send out his grain ships and then he would, uh, uh, you know, there was an economic trade that he was having there. So that's really what he's talking about here. And this idea of generosity towards other people is the idea of investing. He says this idea of send it out. Send it, invest it out. Okay, trade, work, live your life with other people here. He says, use wisdom, verse 2, uh, of diversify. He says, give a portion to seven or eight or even eight. He's like, you know, don't, don't put it all in one spot because you don't know what, will hap- what disaster may happen on the earth. If you put everything in one ship and then you send it out and that ship sinks, guess what's happening to you and all your investments? He says, listen, don't be paralyzed through, you know, uh, indecision or something. Invest, live your life, but show wisdom in this. Be generous. Live your life. Except, though, then he talks about, listen, though, but you can't, even in wise living, understand that even if you're trying not to be foolish, things are going to happen. Things are going to happen, and you can't, uh, you can't control that. That's what he's saying here in verse 3. He says, if the clouds are full of rain and they empty themselves in the earth, or if a tree falls, he says, there's going to lie. Basically, he's saying, you can't control whether clouds are, are, are going to fill up with, with rain. You can't control if a tree suddenly falls down in the forest. That's going to happen. He's saying, so don't let the uncertainty of that may happen paralyze you from investing and living your life economically and living your life the way you're supposed to live your life. He says, don't let that paralyze you. The fool, though, verse 4, is paralyzed. He who observes the wind will not sow, and so and he who regards the clouds will not reap. And what he's saying there is that there's someone out there, he's like, I don't know, it may look like, oh, that, that cloud looks a little dark, okay, uh, okay, we better not go out in the field today, okay, we better not, and everything. Or then he says, you know, he's looking at the, or the winds, and, and, and he says, I don't know, we, we better not go out and, and sow the seeds here, and we better not go because it's a little windy out, or and we better not go out because it may rain and everything. He says, the people that are just paralyzed by this, they're never going to get it done. He says, a fool is someone who's just absolutely paralyzed over things that they cannot control. Verse 5 talks about how that we can't know all of what God does or how he does it or why he does it. He's basically saying there again, that can't paralyze you. How do I know that? Because in verse 6, he tells us what to do. So go in the morning, sow the seed. At the evening, we'll hold not your hand. You don't know whether God will prosper this or that or whether both will be like, we'll all be good. So he's saying here in verse 6, live your life. Fulfill your responsibilities. Don't be like the fool who's paralyzed by all the what-ifs of this world that then they don't live out their responsibilities and fulfill their responsibilities or live their life because of all the what-ifs. He's saying that's what a fool does. Wise people live and fulfill their responsibilities. So I started with saying that this was the, the phrase that I'd like us to remember, that foolishness is more powerful and prevalent than we care to admit. You say, well, how do we combat, how do we combat this? This is why God gives us the church. This is why we have each other. I met with the parents and teens yesterday. We were talking about future youth ministry and some of the things for the rest of the summer and the fall. It was a lot of fun. Had a great time uh, yesterday, yesterday morning with that. One of the things I, I talked to the, 
the t- parents and teens of us, I said, one of the, 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 the gifts that our church has, one of the blessings of our church, is that we have a, uh, a, a good sampling of all age groups in our congregation. Okay? It's a multi-generation church. You know, in, in, the, in the recent months of something we've had, uh, you know, people coming and visiting and things like this. And, and one of the things that's been encouraging to me is that I remember one week I met with uh, a couple uh, who has been visiting and they are in their 20s and another one who is older than their 20s. Okay? I'm not going to pretend to venture a guess, but they're older than me. Maybe by a little bit, okay? But the point is, is that in the same week I meet with, you know, God's bringing people of all different age groups and things like that. that, that that's a gift from God, okay? That's, a, that's something that, and you say, well, why is that so important to team ministry? Well, the reason why it's important to team ministry is because we need each other. Teens need to see people in their 20s and how they're making decisions about college. But they also need to see people in 30s and 40s in the beginning of family life. And they need to see people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s and above as they, uh, in their careers and the ending of their careers and retirement years and the grandchildren phase, all that stuff. You know, we need that together, right? And, 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 age, and, and then the older group needs the, the, the teens as well, right? Okay, And so it's a gift that God has given to us, and we're so grateful for that here. But the reason why we're part of a church is to help us be wise and to not be foolish. And so that we can learn from each other here. This is the reason why the guys give us the Bible. So that we study it and we know it and we live it. This is why Jesus lived that life of perfect obedience and he was perfectly wise. It was a life that we can never live. But First Peter says that Jesus left us an example for us to follow. He's our wisdom. So my plea is, live wisely this week, not foolishly. Don't underestimate the power of foolishness. Don't add to the prevalence of foolishness. Intently search for those marks of foolishness that could be cropping up in your life and stamp those out right away. Ask for wisdom. Is that a regular prayer request of yours? Is that a regular prayer request of yours? Wisdom. Solomon prayed for it and it worked out pretty well for him. God gave him that, that, that verse. Uh, years ago, I started to say, God, I just need wisdom. I, I, I still, to this day, it's a, it's, it's a constant prayer because we need wisdom. I know how much foolishness is in my heart and how I'm inclined to foolishness, and I need God's wisdom. So ask for wisdom. You know, and then ask for wisdom out of God, but of other people as well. Some, some of you are so, I mean, it, you wouldn't think twice. You would not think twice about asking for help about how to fix the car or how to fix the dryer or how to, how to do something or, or how to help, you know, academically, your kids academically or, or maybe investing or something. You would see someone in the church and like, oh, that's someone I need to talk to. And hey, how do you do this and everything to that? And that's wonderful and that's great. But do you ask about how to live a holy life? Do you ask another believer about how, how, can I, how can I grow as a Christian? How can I know more about God? You see, this is why God's given us a church. This is why God's given us the word. It's so that we can live wisely.